All right, Revelation 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so let me draw your attention to verse number one. And remember, it's Jesus who is addressing these seven churches throughout chapter two and chapter three, seven literal churches, historical churches that existed during the Apostle John's day. And not only is it applicable to them, but also this morning throughout church history, all of these letters, all of these report cards are applicable to every church, to every believer. And so we need to pay particular attention, not only this morning, but as that last verse I read, to all of the instruction, all of the things that the Holy Spirit is communicating to us individually, but also corporately as a church. And when he begins, he says to the messenger, remember that word um, in the Greek translates to messenger, angel translates to messenger. So I believe personally, um, the letter was given probably to the pastor of the church, the person that was responsible to deliver God's message to God's people. And so this, this man was faithful to deliver the message to the church of Sardis. And please notice there was a church there. Um, it was a church that began well, but was not doing well at this time. Did you guys see that as we read through? Did you guys see that as we read through? The church was doing well, but somewhere along the line, they've drifted. And that can happen spiritually, can it? We can drift away from where we once started. Um, and also, there was probably a church, Jesus calls it a dead church. There were probably a lot of people in the congregation that did not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, that they weren't born again, that they weren't saved. And so, notice with me, though, there's a church there, and it's in what city? What's it called? Sardis. And these cities... Jesus picked seven of them. There were a lot more churches and a lot more cities, but he, he picks these ones specifically. It's not an accident um, why he picked them. Often as we look at these um, cities, he's going to take something from the city that's applicable to the church that he's writing to. Sardis was a famous historical city. It was um, 
a city that was an ancient city. It was a wealthy city. It was a very secure city as well. It was five roads met right there at the base of this. It was like a 1,500-foot plateau in which they built the city upon and uh, very, uh, very secure, not completely secure. In fact, the people of the city began to rest in their security, rest in their position. They thought, no one can touch us. And guess what happened? They let their guard down. The Greeks um, uh, and also the Persians, two times within 300 years, two times the city was conquered at night And why were they conquered? Because they were cocky. They weren't watchful. They let their guard down is what happened. It happened at night, and that's the the phrase, coming as a thief in the night, applied to these people. This phrase applied to them. And so um, look at verse 2 with me. Jesus is speaking, right? Once again, he takes something from chapter 1 that is applicable also to the recipients of the letter, and it's things that they needed to be reminded of. Do we need to be reminded of stuff, by the way? Is it important all the time? Thank you. Why do we need to be reminded? We forget, don't we? And so Jesus takes a couple of things here that this church needed to be reminded of that they had forgotten or perhaps you've moved away from. You've moved away from a place of safety and security And you've moved to a place where you're not watching, a place that is dangerous for you spiritually. And he says to them, look what it says. It says, these things says he who has, number one, the seven spirits of God. What in the world is that talking about? The seven spirits of God. We've seen this though, haven't we already? We saw this in chapter one. We've talked about this before also. It is a reference to, what was the verse I told you guys to? Isaiah chapter 11. Don't go there now. We're going to look at it in a little while. It's okay. We'll get there. Don't Everybody's all, yeah, we're going to get there. I love it. You guys are excited about the word. Hallelujah. But it's a reference to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And um, so no doubt he's reminding, Jesus is reminding the church um, that, they, that they are a group of people that had lost sight of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's a very dangerous place to be, gang, is when you lose sight of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. You know what happens is you're no longer dependent upon him, and now you start to do things in your own strength, in your own understanding, in your own wisdom, your own smarts, rather than looking to the one who supplies everything that we need, his sufficiency. Isn't that what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. The Apostle Paul also said in Galatians 3.3, what's begun in the Spirit needs to continue in the Spirit. And that's what happened when we gave our lives to the Lord, didn't it? We became born again of the Spirit. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we were once dead in our trespasses. Now we've been made alive. You are born again. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Every one of us needs to be born again if we want to be with Jesus eternally. And so it's simply by putting our faith and trust in him. These people, many of them had done that at one time, but many within the church had no real relationship with him 
at all. And so Jesus is reminding them of the importance of the Holy Spirit. But then he says something else also. He also says, this letter's from the one who has, what does your Bible say? The seven the seven stars. What is the seven stars? Messengers. We learned that in chapter 1. Jesus in that vision that John, when, when John the Apostle saw Jesus in all of his glory, all of his majesty, in Jesus' right hand were these seven stars, which Jesus said are the seven messengers, the pastors, the leaders. For me, that gives me a lot of comfort that I'm in his hand. And the Bible tells us in John, John 10, John chapter 10, Jesus said all believers are in his hand. Is that good news this morning? Yes. But for me, as I'm hearing this, listening to this, as the, as the recipients of this letter, the, the pastors heard this, they're reminded that they are in the Lord's hand, but that's something else we need to be reminded of, that we are dependent upon him, that we need Jesus. Jesus said, the spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. My words are spirit, and they are life. And listen, if you're a leader, you're a pastor leader, if you're a dude, you lead your home, right? We're to wash our wives with what? What are we to wash our wives? Buffalo, bayou. Like, <laughs> what are we to wash them with, gang? With the water of the word. Correct? That's what Jesus washes us with. But we need to not only trust in the sufficiency of the word, but trust in the sufficiency of the Holy Spirit to give us what to say, to give us the wisdom and that a word fitly spoken, how to say it also with the right heart is the idea. And so Jesus reminds the church that, that, that these leaders, that these pastors are in his hand. And so it reminds me that we have to stay close to him, stay fresh with him, stay current with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, look what he says next. I know, Jesus knows everything, I know your works. Works are efforts, your busyness, your labor, the things you're doing, the things you're about, the things you're about for his kingdom also. And then he says, and then he just kind of drops this bomb, doesn't he? Is that kind of a bomb he drops right here? That you have a name that you are alive. You have a name. You have a reputation. You have a reputation of being a church that is alive, that is vibrant. They ha and the church, they had the right creeds. They had the right orthodox. They had even some works going on. They had some stuff happening. In fact, Jesus said about the Pharisees, didn't he say something about the Pharisees similar to that? Man, outwardly, you look great but inwardly you're full of dead men's bones, right? Everyone that comes in contact with you, you're like a whitewashed tomb. Everyone that comes in contact with you gets defiled because <laughs> you're covered over. And so this church, outwardly, they're the picture of spiritual health. They had a reputation, fundamentally, probably sound, superb history. They had a name, a reputation, they were busy. Listen, can I just encourage us this morning? Busyness is not always a sign of health in a church. Busyness is not always a sign of health in the church. Because their assessment of themselves, hey, we're alive. The community sees us as alive. But what matters is whose assessment? The Lord Jesus' assessment. And he says, you're a dead church. You're a dead church. You're a dead church with some also that are dying also spiritually. 
And again, a church full, full of those without a personal saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so you have a name, he said. In na- and, we, and some people say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but it's in name only. Right? right? We call those types of people nominal Christians. Right? And for me, some of the heaviest words that Jesus says are not only in this letter, but remember, there's going to be many that come to him on that day. And say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? Did we not do that in your name? And he's going to say, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. You worker of iniquity. And what he's, what he's communicating is that you demonstrated we had no relationship by the way you lived your life. And he says to the church here, you have a name, but you're dead. So for the most part, the church, they were, they were not even believers. They're not alive spiritually. And, and let, me just, let me just share this with, with you this morning, those that are listening, maybe online or somewhere else. Um, it's not an accident you're listening. Jesus loves you. And he gave his life for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He suffered and died and rose again on the third day to rescue you and to save you. And he's giving you another chance right now to respond to him, to his grace, to his love, to his goodness. And so um, how do you lighten this up? This was the zombie church of the apocalypse. How about that? (laughs) So make sure you're still with me this morning. Corp. What are zombies? Corpses that are alive, that walk around as though they're living, but they're dead. And Sardis was the zombie church. Outward activity. They had a reputation. They thought of themselves as believers, but there was no life according to Jesus. It tells me something else this morning. Dead churches may be undetectable to man's eyes. Because when you hear a dead church, what do you think? Like maybe a bunch of little grannies sitting around and, a, and someone playing the organ. Or maybe like a, a church meeting with a giant steeple and, and benches and it's just... I mean, seriously, this outwardly, this church looked like it was vibrant, looked like it was alive. And Jesus comes with this assessment. Can I just remind us the church is not a building? The church, listen, this morning, the church is a living organism. 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul tells us we are all members of the body, all different body parts, all absolutely necessary and needed. Do you know you're needed this morning as part of the body? You guys, you guys know that this morning? All of us. And who's the head? Who's the senior pastor of this place? Jesus. Jesus is the head. Listen, no head, the body is dead. Real simple. No head, body is dead. Colossians 3 tells us that we are to hold fast to Jesus. That's where our life comes from. That's where our growth comes from. He's the one who supplies what we need as we're abiding in him, as we're connected to him, fresh and current with him individually and corporately as a church. Are you with me still this morning? This is like so crucial. It's such, it's because Jesus said, abide in me, for apart from me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. We need to be connected, and it's possible Sardis, this church that once started out good, once connected to Jesus, they're no longer, they're detached from him. From intimacy, from realness, from having a fresh and current relationship 
with him. You know what's so beautiful? There's hope, isn't there, with our Lord? Isn't there always hope with our God? Is there always hope with our God, gang? Because look at the next verse. Look what Jesus does here. He's so good. Isn't Jesus good? All the time. Thank you. Do we just sing that too? Something like that? Jesus gives his prescription here. The great physician, right? A way, here's the way of recovery. Here's the way of recovery for a dead church. By the way, I don't think this church is dead at all. But there may be some dead people that attend. This church is not a dying church, but I think there may be some here this morning that you are dying spiritually because you've lost that close, intimate connection with Jesus Christ. And so what does he say? What does he say to a dead or a dying church or individual? He says, number one, wake up. Be watch- That's what watchful means. Wake up. Wake up. I see some heads popping up. <laughs> means to get up. Give strict, strict attention to. Be cautious. Be alive. Be on guard. Be vigilant. Because what happens when you stop watching? You, de- you begin to, de- to deteriorate. When you stop watching, when you stop cultivating your relationship, you begin to start dying and you don't even notice it. And so Jesus says the first thing for, the first need of a dead or dying church is to wake up to your condition, is to wake up and realize something is wrong here. Jesus is pointing this out to me and it's a strong, rec- uh, it's a strong exhortation to recognize that it's my failure It's not the failure of someone else. It is my failure that I'm in this condition because of my relationship with the Lord. And so I take an honest evaluation this morning and say, where am I with Jesus? Am I fresh? Am I current with him? Is there fruit growing and flowing in my lives? In my life, my lives. And then what? Look what it says. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Did you guys see that? Strengthen. Strengthen means to to make firm, to make stable. It means to establish. And so Jesus exhorts the church here to be diligent, to strengthen those things that are of value, those things that remain that are of value, uh, but they're frail is the idea. They're barely hanging in there. We might say they're on life support is the idea. You guys ever have trees like that or plants like that? It's like, man, I got I to gotta pump in the palm tree. What are those things Scott called again? The palm tree deals to help the thing grow. It's like barely alive. and it need, right? Jesus spoke about the, the tree that wasn't bearing fruit. Give it another year. Dung it. Dig and dung, right? Dig around it. Give it some dung. Miracle grow. But I think it's interesting to know here, those things that are on life support can be revived. What things? Look what it says to me. Look at the next part of the verse. For I have not found your works perfect before God. And not perfect means imperfect, incomplete. They haven't been brought to completion is the idea. And so Jesus looks at this church and he says, you are not fulfilling your calling. You are not carrying out what you're supposed to. You are not accomplishing your purpose. 
You are lacking in the things that matter to God. And it seems to me, as I read this, the church was primarily engaged in doing their own thing and not God's thing. Oh, they once were. They were once about God's thing. For a church to be dead, but with things barely alive, it meant what? It meant there had to be a disconnect from Jesus. There's barely any growth happening. And Jesus, didn't Jesus talk about, again, John 15, didn't he talk about that? I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Branches need to stay connected in order to take this, get the nutrients, to get the stuff they need to do what? To bear fruit. A branch apart from Jesus, man, it withers up and dies. It's no good except to be cast in the fire. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need him. We need to stay connected to him. And so Sardis went from God-centered to man-centered. They had some busyness going on, but busy doing things in their own wisdom, in their own strength, in the energy of the flesh. Can I ask you guys a question this morning? When you neglect the Holy Spirit or cease depending upon the Holy Spirit, what are you left with? Your own natural talent, your own cleverness, your own understanding, your own smarts, again, your own power, your own might. Listen, nothing we can do can take the place of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Lord's Spirit, by His Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We need Him. And often, you know what happens? Often churches and ministries, what they do when they're not depending upon the Holy Spirit, you, you know what they do? They add more activities, more ministries, more energy exerted, because that's what you need to do when you're not relying upon the Holy Spirit. Man, you've got to double up. You've got to triple up. It will wear you out, man. It'll wear you out. Rather than looking to what He supplies and he supplies everything we need to be successful in what he's called us to do. And we could be so busy, can't we, doing things to impress people? And the Lord searches our hearts. Busyness does not replace the power of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. In fact, now let's flip over to Isaiah 11. Let's check it out real quick. Still with me? Sweet. This is an awesome, like, messianic verse pointing forward to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Isaiah 11. There shall come forth, verse 1, a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, speaking about the Messiah coming from the lineage of David. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, upon Jesus the Messiah, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So take note of this. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, right, upon Jesus. We talked about this Wednesday night. From the Gospel of Luke, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, and notice number one, it speaks of the Spirit of 
the Lord. The Holy Spirit, listen this morning, the Holy Spirit is deserving of the same respect as the Father and the Son. Why? Because the three are one, the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is deserving of the same respect as the Father and the Son. Number two, he's the Spirit of, what does your Bible say? Of, after the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of wisdom. Does anybody need wisdom? He gives us wisdom to do what? To make good decisions. If you're not looking to his wisdom, what do you got? Your own, your own smarts. So the spirit of wisdom, that's number two. Number three, so he helps us, the Holy Spirit helps us make good decisions. How many of you guys have decisions to make this week? I don't need to see a show of hands, probably most of us, right? How many of you guys have made a decision and then said, Lord, bless it? Here's what I'm going to do. Lord, bless this. Bless me. When we haven't even asked the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom to make this decision. Number three, spirit of understanding. Understanding means discernment. It, it means to be able to distinguish, the ability to, 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 to discern between good and evil, to be able to understand between the right way to go and the wrong way to go. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives? We need that, don't we? If you're not looking to his understanding, whose understanding are you looking to? Your own. Doesn't Proverbs 3 say something about that? Trust not in your own understanding. The Spirit wants to give you and I understanding. Isn't that great? What's number four? The Spirit of counsel. Does anybody need counsel here? He's called the wonderful counselor also. The comforter. The one, one to lead us and guide us into all truth. It, truth. That's with an F. No, <laughs> sorry. One to lead us and guide us in all truth. What's the matter with that dude's English? I don't know. I'm jacked. Pray for me. <laughs> if you're taking notes, John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus gives us awesome insight into the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it corresponds with this so awesome. The, we need counsel. How many of us are planning for the future? How many of us are planning for, for down the road? And we need his counsel. We need his insight. We need right counsel, the right course of action to take. And he wants to give that to you. He's a, he's a good father, gang. And so look at the fifth thing, the spirit of might. Does anybody need strength? We need his strength, don't we? Overcoming temptation, dealing with, with struggles in our lives. The Apostle Paul, remember again when he cried out, Lord, remove this from me, this thorn in the flesh. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So the spirit of might, the ability and the power to do what he calls us to do. He gives us what we need, you guys, in order to do what he calls us to do, to forgive, to give grace, to turn the other cheek. Do you know that he will give you what you need to do that? He has not left us as orphans. The spirit, what's the next thing it says? Spirit number six, spirit of the knowledge of the Lord. You know what that means, knowledge? That's not just like getting a bunch of head knowledge. It's supernatural ability to know and understand God. 
And that's what God said we should be boasting in. He who boasts, boasts in this, that he knows and understands me, says the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 9. The Holy Spirit helps us to know and understand God Almighty. Isn't that beautiful? He helps us to do that. Not just theologically. Not just theologically, but personally, experientially, in a real way, in an intimate way. And then seventh is what? The fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit does something special. He produces and nurtures within us a deep reverence and respect for God. That's what he does in us. Holiness in our lives. A reverence, a respect for God. He makes worship dynamic and alive. It's not just going through the motions. Jesus said that about the Pharisees too, didn't he? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is what? Far from me. Oh, you look alive, man. You're jamming. You're singing. This was a church, Sardis. They were jamming probably. Rocking it out. They looked alive, man. But he says, you're dead. There's nothing real going on. That's heavy, isn't it? And they've left that dependence, that, rely, that relying upon the Holy Spirit, that connection, that abiding in Jesus. And so he tells us, I love, look what he says back to Revelation 3. So he says, be watchful, right? Strengthen those things which remain. And then he says in verse 3, remember therefore how you have received and heard. Remember means to be mindful, to call to mind, to keep in mind, to think about how you received Jesus, how you received the word of God, how you received the gospel. Do you remember when you got saved? Did you come all arrogant and cocky? Good thing you got me, God. You know, is that how you come to him? Broken. In recognition, I need his forgiveness. I'm jacked up. I am a mess. Lord, would you forgive me? I have, I, sin has ruined me and ruined others around me. I have no idea how big the tentacles have gone out. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you wash me? Would you make me new? God. And we cry out, right? We repent. We realize, man, I messed up, not you. Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. That's how we received, was it? Is that how you received? Yes. Hopefully all of us have. Simple, childlike faith. Total reliance upon him. And what does he do? He gives us the Holy Spirit. This Jesus is birthed within us. There's a new birth that, a new birth that happens. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's miraculous. God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside you. That's awesome. Everywhere you go, there goes the Holy of Holies. He's in you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Such good news and you rejoice. I've been saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's how we received. And then how did you hear? It's not what you heard. Oh, they heard the good news. They knew the word. They had the creeds, the doctrine, the orthodox. They were so right, they were wrong. That was the problem. And you know people like that. They're so right in their doctrine, they're wrong. Because they got nothing going on real and intimate with the Lord. 
And they had all that. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, remember how you heard. Not what you heard. How, you, how did you hear? When you heard the word of God. Think about it with me. How did you, how did, how did you hear? Was it exciting? When you heard the word of God for the first time. When, when you became alive spiritually and no longer are the words of the page Greek to you anymore. It's life. Remember that happened with the disciples? John 20, they got Jesus breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, what happened? He opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. He didn't teach them something new. He had been teaching them all along. But now they had the Holy Spirit and the word came alive. Isn't that what happened with us, gang? goes from words on a page to life. And the Lord starts to change you. That's why the word of God is so important. It's from his heart to our heart. It transforms us. It has the, the seed, the DNA to change your life and to change my life. That's why it's so crucial to take heed how we hear. And listen, some of us need to hear this this morning. Man, maybe you got all your theological ducks in a row. But there's no life happening. Jesus said in John chapter 7, All you who are thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom they hadn't received yet. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is that a description of your life? Would someone look at your life and say, Man, there's rivers of living water flowing from you. You're like a human drinking fountain. <laughs> I'm so refreshed by being with you. I'm like revived just hanging out with you. Think about, think about living water. It's refreshing. It's cleansing. It's soothing, if you will. It's supplying. It's giving you something that is a blessing. Jesus said that's no, that should be normal Christian life. That's a life that's alive, that's filled. What the cool thing is, when you're thirsty, come back. If, that's not a, if that is not a description of your life this morning, it's so simple, you come right to Jesus and ask him. Yeah, Buffalo Bayou, water coming out of my heart. Come to Jesus and drink. Take in fully. Lord, fill me up. Fill me up, Lord. Aren't you glad he never tires of you coming to him? And you keep coming to him and asking. And you're worn out. You come back to him. Lord, fill me up. And boom, that should be normal Christian life, gang. A life that has been made alive and continues to look to his resources, his sufficiency for that to happen. And so literally it means be continually remembering how you received how you heard, and then he says, hold fast. What does hold fast mean? What's that? Hold on. Like loosely? Like a little pinch? A little pinch between the cheek and gums? It means to cling to, like death grip. I'm holding on. Listen, if you're holding on to something, you've got to let go of something else. And he's calling them to let go of what? He's calling them to let go of their reputation. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Oh, you got this great reputation, and you're living in the past. You're living off your press clippings. Do you know anybody like that? 
It could happen. It's, it's, it's happened at Calvary Chapel. As much as I love Calvary Chapel and I love hearing from the brothers from the Jesus movement, I love to share with them the Jesus movement still going on. We're still moving with Jesus. It didn't stop. What's he doing now, though, that's fresh in your life? And, and what, what can happen is we can rest on our reputation. We can rest on our press clippings on what we once did, what we once were. In. Oh, I used to go on mission trips. I used to do this, do that. What about now? I find myself doing the same thing. I'm like, man, I need to start taking steps of faith because my life, I don't want it to lose the supernatural. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I need to take steps of faith like I used to take so I can keep seeing him do those things that only he can do in and through my life. I used to do this. I used to, man, we used to do it back, back in the day. I traveled around. I did. What's the Lord doing now, bro? What's happening right now? They were relying on their path. They needed to let go of their reputation. Let go of that stuff. That's great stuff. Hallelujah. And when you get home to heaven, ching, 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 ching. Man, you got your rewards all set up. But now what are you doing? What are you involved with? How's the Lord using your life now? What's the fresh work that he's doing in and through your life right now currently? They needed to let go of their reputation. Let go of their past successes. Stop worshiping the past. Stop being so comfortable. And we can get comfortable too, can't we as Christians? Where we were once walking out on the water, uncomfortable. Wow, this is cool. And then we take our eyes off of Jesus. And what, what did it say about Peter? He didn't just sink down. It said beginning to sink. Like slow motion. I wish I had a camera. I wish we had that on YouTube or something. <laughs> Begin, what does beginning to sink mean? He didn't sink to the bottom. He was beginning to sink. Because he took his eyes off the Lord. Man, I always want to be walking on the water. God, help me. I don't want to rely on those past, past things he's done. What's the fresh things that he's doing? To be uncomfortable in my walk. Not just coasting. And so they needed to take a hold of a fresh, real relationship with Jesus to repent, to have a change of heart, a change of mind. Recognize that's where I'm, we are at. That's where we are. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me, God. Help me get back on track to go your way. Therefore, if you will not watch. So Jesus issues a warning. If they refuse to wake up and be on guard, he said he will what, do what? He will show up personally, unexpectedly, suddenly, and they will have no clue when it happens. And I've been wrestling with this all week long. What is the Lord trying to communicate here? You remember in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. The Apostle Paul said, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Why is Jesus saying this? 
this church needed a fresh reminder that he's coming. That he is coming, the rapture of the church, the catching away of the bride of Christ to, be in, to go to the Father's house, the place that Jesus is preparing for you and for me. When Jesus comes, it's going to come like a thief, and suddenly he's going to take his church out of this world, gone, and we will disappear from the world's sight. And what's the world going to be saying? UFO, what happened to those Christians? I'm glad they're gone. UFOs got them, or whatever they're going to say. You know, you know what I think the Lord is saying to them? You've lost expectation of me coming for you. When you love someone, don't you want to be with them? Yeah. When, you, when your radical Christian babe goes on a trip and you're expecting her home, are you excited to see her? Dudes, no? No amens in this place? We're going to have prayer at, right up here after... <laughs> In fact, the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter, what chapter is that? Chapter 2, right at the end, he said, And now, little children, abide in him, abide in Jesus. Stay fresh, stay current, stay connected to him, that when he appears, when he shows up, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, do you know Jesus is righteous? You know, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Listen, the Lord's coming shouldn't make us lifeless and dull, but excited, alive, and fruitful. To be looking for him. His coming should be our daily expectation. Verse 4, Jesus says, you have a few names... It's almost like you have a few names even in Sardis. There's a godly remnant even in that church who have not defiled their garments. When you read defiled, think, well, don't think, but the idea is babies or toddlers that haven't been properly trained in bathroom etiquette. Does that make sense? You guys, does that make sense, y'all? Okay. I know. If you don't have kids, come talk to a parent. He says there's those that haven't contaminated, polluted, or made filthy their lives. Those believers will be in fellowship, enjoy intimacy with Jesus, wearing pure white garments. Why? For is a reason word. They are worthy. That's what's fitting, what's suitable for them. Jesus is like, you stood with me, you have abided in me, you're going to walk with me. We're going to be together. And then he says, for the overcomer, for the one who conquers these deficiencies, verse 5, look what it says with me. He who overcomes, the one who conquers these deficiencies that Jesus spoke of, shall be clothed in what kind of garments? White garments. That speaks of or is symbolic of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is given to you and I when we put our faith and trust in him because all our righteousnesses are like what filthy rags isaiah was rejoicing over this isaiah said in isaiah 61:10 i will re greatly rejoice in the lord my soul shall be joyful in my god for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness that's awesome isn't it this morning and then he says i will not blot out his name from the book 
of life. Jesus says, I'm not going to remove that person's name from this special book. Is that good news this morning? Yes. 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 That's good news. I love that. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not sure exactly, you know, people talk about this verse and, you know, does Jesus have some whiteout? You guys remember whiteout? Do they still make that stuff? Liquid paper? Do they still have that? Like, does he have liquid paper? Does he take out names and put names back on? I'm not sure, but I've heard pastors, very good ones, teach this passage and they explain it away. Like, you can live, hey, you're saved, you're, you're elect, you can live any way you want. Listen, I, and they say, no worries, this shouldn't concern you. Listen, this is Jesus saying this. And all I know is the safest, most secure place in the whole wide world, both now and eternally, is abiding in Jesus Christ. Outside of that, there's no safety and no security. I'm sorry. It causes me to be careful in my walk. Not just assume things. But it's good news. Jesus gives the church a strong reminder of their security in him. People who go to heaven, their names are written in the book of life. And that's something to rejoice in, isn't it? Remember when the disciples came back from their, like, their little short-term mission trip, and they came to Jesus and said, Lord, you wouldn't believe it. Even the demons are subject to us. We're casting out demons and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And what did Jesus say? Don't rejoice in that, but rejoice that your names are what? Written in heaven. That should cause us to go, hallelujah. Lord, thank you. You rescued me. You saved me. Because he's going to, look at the last promise. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Can you picture that right now? Stepping through the veil into heaven and having Jesus confess your name to the Father. Jude talks about it, Jude 24, to Jesus who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the Father with exceeding joy. It's going to make him really happy. How awesome is that, you guys? Is that cool? That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? confessing our filthy names, our... Man, the Lord is so good. Openly, joyfully, in front of not just the Father. Gabriel, check him out. Check out Mikey. He made it. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 6, look how it ends. He who has an ear, let him hear. The Spirit says to the churches... Listen and obey what the Holy Spirit's communicating to Sardis and to all the churches, gang. No, listen, this morning, no church is alive if it is not dependent upon and directed by the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you, don't move away from dependence upon Him. Look to Him. Rely upon Him. Trust in His sufficiency, His wisdom. And watch what he'll do in your life, in the life of the church. Vibrant, alive, fruitful to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you.